Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to SFP Now. everyone, welcome to a special episode of Sci-Fi Pulse Radio with your hosts from SFP Now and Genre Entertainment. I'm your co-host from Genre Entertainment, Mark Spile, and I'm joined by... I'm uh, Ian Cullen, I um, host SFP Now and Sci-Fi Pulse Radio. And also joining us is my good friend um, Ben Cassidy, who writes most of the Star Trek content for Sci-Fi Pulse, and he's also a co-host on on uh, SFP Now. Um, so we, what we're going to do here today is going to be talking about the best and the worst and the most anticipated things. So best series, best films, worst series, worst films, and most anticipated films and TV series for 2021. So I think we should start off on a good note, uh, Matt, and we'll start with the best series. And uh, I think in order to be fair, we you know we should have about you know a couple of choices each. And Julie couldn't join because she got start feeling sick before this um so i've merged our two lists together so just so you know so there's a couple of them where i got a couple of similar options you know choices just so you know i'm not trying to cheat <laughs> oh it's okay well you know when, when you when you're making when you're giving us Jimmy's choice just go well my choice for him my choice for series is serious um <laughs> yep yep i'll do that okay I thought that was Miss Piggy there, in. <laughs> so that's how you think Julie sounds, huh? Interesting. I'll let her know. <laughs> well, she doesn't sound like this. She doesn't sound like this at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we should start positive. Yeah, because my worst lists are lower because, you know, I just don't watch stuff I don't like, right? So... <laughs> but uh but yeah so do you want to kick it off on the list as as soon as um he's new to it you will let you know ben kick off with his two choices sounds good okay ben it's over to you thanks guys um first just a quick one yeah a big um get well soon to julie i'm sorry to hear that marks uh, we look forward to hearing julie's selections um too um i sort of have a um I, you know i think we all do people sort of struggle with what's your favorite what you think's the best and um so i'm gonna go with favorite because I think favorite is a bit more instinctive than best and sort of like analyzing stuff. And um, I'm going to open the list with a series that um, Ian put me onto, which I hadn't watched. And um, I do think it's been one of the highlights of a difficult year in the same industry. Um, I've just finished watching last night, the, the first series of Pennyworth. And um, I thought that was a really, really great show. I thought it was something different. As far as I'm aware, it's sort of like an American-made show, but it's set in Britain, sort of in the 60s. You know, I'm a big Beatles fan, and 
you know, that's sort of really when popular culture as we know it kind of sort of started in the 60s in some ways. It's a bit of a general statement, but yeah, um, that's been a monumental show for me. It's a fantastic show. Um, the guy that plays Jack Bannon, the guy that plays Alfred is really, really great, and, and the universe it's setting is great. Um, so a big thanks to Ian who put me onto that. And um, what are your thoughts on it, Ian? Well, you know, what, what I liked about Pennyworth, and um, yeah, I'll let you have it. It was 2019, and it did go a little into 2000. You know, it was 2019, it came out, this series. But I'll let oh. you have it as the new series actually starts tomorrow you know so and um you know and, and i do know that your other choice is probably likely to be 2020 anyway uh but the the, re- the reason it's um uh, it's actually set in the um in the batman use universe and it's kind of a prequel um telling the story of of how alfred met to uh, you know met and came to be involved with the wayne family but it also gives you uh alfred's backstory you know his his, his days in in the um in the in the military in the army and in and the series picks up where he's just been he's recently been discharged from the army and he's um running his own little sort of like uh you know, for higher protection business, and he gets hired by um by by uh, Bruce Wayne's father. You know, to um to to sort of like find uh, his sister, I think it is, and uh, yeah. one one path leads to another, and it all and uh, you get you get this uh, really really cool sort of like sixties vibe to it. But it's set in the UK. It's set in a world where where the English and the Allies didn't win the Second World War. So the UK is kind of like uh, it's polarized. It's much like it's much it's, it's as much a common on on today's society as it is on on, on the story side of things. Because you've got two po- polar opposites. You've got the um, the extreme left wing and the extreme right wing, mm-hmm. and the two parties that 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 are, that are both for extremes are sort of like vying for power. And and it's sort of like this huge power vacuum in the middle, which is which is pretty much where the characters of of um, of the series sort of function. Is it a series you've watched yourself, Mark? So yeah, yeah, we watched it too. I, I um, caught a little bit of it last year when it came on, but I don't have Epics. Like I was using a free preview, but then I went ahead and got Epics like a special deal for like a month to, to binge it. Uh, I thought at the time that second season was on there until I until I got it, and I was like, ah, oh, it's not out yet. Um, but I went ahead and watched off. We both watched off season one. We really liked it quite a bit. What's funny though is like we're like you know, of course we're in the U.S. and so we're just kind of like you know what is true and not true of this history of the UK. <laughs> it's like they didn't do public executions or whatever. You know, it took us a little bit longer to figure out. Wait a minute, what's going on here? <laughs> but um, uh, but yeah, but it was. I love all of the the slang. You have to tell me how accurate that the slang can, is. Um, and then uh, and then I liked. I was surprised by how good it was because when I first heard that Pennyworth was coming out. I was just like, are you serious? Who who wanted a prequel like backstory of you know Alfred Pennyworth? You know, come on. And uh, it's like we're gonna have Mall Kent, the Adventures of Mall Kent when she was a teenager or something. Now, like, what's going on? <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, it actually turned out to be quite a good show, and um, I'm really eager to see season two and see what they do. It's I mean, if you just had a different name for Alfred and you had uh, Martha and um, Thomas, yes. If they had different names, you know, it could be like its own completely different show because it doesn't really have too many direct ties uh, to Batman or anything, which is just fine. It works fine. It reminds me of a little bit of, um, I mean, it's got like this kind of spy action feel sometimes, you know, of... Uh, little James Bond. A little James Bond. And then it's also got a little bit of that weirdness that like the prisoner or something had back then. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think that's it. I think that's why you pick it. 
I was going to um, mention that in that you picked up on sort of like the, the political element to it. Um, and I think what makes the show so good is that all that stuff is going on in the background, but it, it's not like a political drama where it's sort of like constant power play and all you're seeing is that, because that could soon make it quite boring. It's a very sharp, snappy, action-based show. And um, that aspect of it reminds me of like a lot of the shows I watched as a youngster growing up on reruns from the 70s, like... I don't know, the Avengers, that sort of thing. You know, even even stuff like The Saint and everything like that. I don't know if you've ever seen any of those shows, Mark. So. I've seen The Avengers. Yeah, it's got that um, 60s feel to it. It's, mm-hmm. You sort of feel like it's got a, it's got elements of a lot of stuff from British culture. It, sometimes you think you're watching like a show about the Craze Twins or something. Then you think <laughs> it's James Bond. It's sort of got all different all different aspects. And then there's just that supernatural element that's going on underneath it that makes you think... Yeah, this this belongs in the Batman universe, definitely. Yeah, what but... I also know it was the uh, was the episode titles were, were the episode titles were basically uh, iconic people from the sixties. Yeah. You know, it had Shirley Bassey. <laughs> yeah, and that and um, and that's another that's another strength of the show. I think it's um, Baroness Auxy and um, which Felicity Kendall played fantastically, and Alistair Crowley. I mean, I think Alistair Crowley died in 1946 or seven, maybe even 1945. Anyway, 1943. Um, there you go. But the thing is, it's an alternate universe, so you know it, it doesn't really matter, and that's the sort of creative scope that it has. And I think it's a show that really reminds us how much scope there is to make stories if you use sort of like alternate universes and things like that from comics. There's just the comic book world at the moment is being done to death by all stuff, but you can still make a good show if you get your thinking cap on, you know. Um. So do you, do you have a second choice, Ben? Yeah, I think um, another show that you put me on to, Ian, you know, I'm seeming to be the um, the Ian Cullen suggestion show here, isn't it? But um, it's got to go, I've got to go with Doom Patrol, you know? Doom Patrol. Uh, yeah. yeah, and now I feel like Gazump Dean on two of his choices. Um, so <laughs> apologies for that, Ian. Um, oh, no, I have choices. Um, that's it. I don't think I've watched as much as you. So they're the shows that I've watched recently, both of which I've been put onto by yourself. And. Um, yeah, again, you know, very different from Pennyworth, but they are both brilliant in their own ways. But I think what really works well with Doom Patrol is it's taking a tried and tested formula, as in reluctant heroes or failure to heroes, but it's still managing to tell its own story and not end up looking something like Guardians of the Galaxy or whatever else. It's, it's sort of fresh, you know? Doom Patrol is one of my favorites, too. And I like how, you know, it's kind of, it's taken some of the weirdest stories from the comic books of Doom Patrol and it's given it a unique tone and feel to other superhero shows out there. So it's, and uh, I just like, I like all those characters. They do a great job uh, making them multidimensional and um, uh, like the story twists and plots. And it's got such a, you know, edgy sense of humor and and stuff. So I think it's, it's definitely, Doom Patrol is one of my, one of my favorite superhero shows of all time currently on, I think. <laughs> definitely. I think the, I mean, I've always found when I watch stuff, not always, but at least in one or two episodes, I can probably sort of guess some of what's going on, but you've no chance of doing that with Doom Patrol. And, you know, I don't know, perhaps some people think it's a bit too weird at times, but for me, it really shows you if you care for the characters on something, it doesn't matter how weird something is. And, you know, suspension of disbelief sometimes is almost secondary to you just being really sort of bought in on an emotional level to these sort of individuals in the show. Mm. And they're all they're all very, very messed up individuals as well. They've all got their own sort of like uh, hang-ups and, you know, and uh, that, that's that's what attracts me to it is the is, is just how messed up these, these characters actually are. And yet somehow, like like a dysfunctional family, they, they, they manage to come together when it counts. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, it's um, it's definitely been a highlight, and it's one that um, you know, I'll just say one more thing about it, and that's I'm very much looking forward to the third series next year, and uh, I think it, I think. You were saying, Ian, that you reckon it might drop in sort of like maybe Easter, spring, March, April? That'd be my guess because the um, the, the last the last uh, few series were sort of like roundabouts or like um, late February, early March. Mm. Also, you know, I'm not sure if they're going to do, um, do, do a third season of one of my choices, which is Titans, uh, te- you know, which is based on the Teen Titans Um um, because usually that's usually airing around about now. It builds up to Christmas and then so like has a little bit of a break and then finishes off its run after Christmas. And usually what happens is Doom Patrol takes over from that. But there's a lot happened this year with the pandemic and uh, the DC streaming series, you know, channel. I think that's kind of like being discontinued and it's all going to... To HBO Max, so you know the, the future of these series is a little bit in the air. But I do know that there's a season three of Doom Patrol because I've already announced it. Yeah, they they got all moved to HBO Max now. Um, I've been watching on on there now, and uh, the season they've already got some shots from season three of Titans, so it's it's definitely coming out. I'm not sure exactly when, but they got like a, a new costume they've been showing off for Starfire. So, uh, yeah, you'll definitely get Titans. And, and uh, I'm pretty sure they, they said that they're going to do season three of Doom Patrol. Because so. Doom Patrol was their first um, was the first one that they moved over from DC Universe to HBO Max. Uh, technically, they were on both at the same time. It was it premiered on HBO Max. Then the next day, I, I believe, it showed up on DC Streaming. But, yeah. But, yeah, everything DC Streaming, all the originals are now on HBO Max. So. I, think, I think April Balby. Bal- I can't remember how you pronounce her name. But um, I think April Balby, who plays... Um, Rita Farr I think she, I haven't seen Titans but I believe she was in one or two episodes of it mm, no she was in I think she was in one episode of it because they basically did one episode in the first season of uh, Titans um, where where they they actually meet the Doom Patrol oh right yeah it's sort of like I think it's supposed to be an alternate version of them because in that one, uh, it may not have been that plan originally, but in that one, Beast Boy is a member and he leaves to go off to Titans. Um, and they had a different actor playing. Um, uh, Cold. Yeah. And, um, and, and they, uh, the tone, like they had the actors to play the other characters, but the tone and their relationships were a little different. Once they finally did the TV show, uh, I feel like they decided to just ignore that a little bit and just and go in a different direction a little bit. So, and when Christ, Crisis of Infinite Earths happened, and they were assigning Earths like uh, the new multiverse. Uh, they gave different Earth numbers for Doom Patrol and Titans. So, so I yeah, think- and they did, they, they did actually. Uh, that that was a, that was a good thing about the uh, the, the uh, multiverse um, crossover event last year. The CW did was that the um, they actually did include the DC streaming shows, and I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, yeah, because they wiped out the old multiverse merged a new earth so supergirl could be in the same earth and then they unbeknownst to them i don't know if they figured out yet or not but uh there's a new multiverse and we the the viewers got to see the numbers and they had like swamp thing and all the different dc streaming ones in there so oh man i'm so disappointed i canceled swamp thing i didn't get another run because that was so good I know that's the one DC show that did get canceled for sure, um, but it's doing really well on CW now because they they replayed it on CW and it's like a ratings hit for them. <laughs> so, yeah, but we don't want to see CW start making Swamp Thing because it'll completely ruin it. All right, well, it's better than nothing. It matters what they do to it, of course, but uh, 
at least that's you know maybe they'll think about bringing back that character now um if not if not that interpretation maybe they'll do something with it kind of like constantine kind of has survived on and and because of the fans i don't know we'll see i think um just to sort of like my final comment on doom patrol is um i found like cliff's story arc is almost like a little bit of a meta thing with, with brendan fraser had a lot of stuff going on in his personal life and i was delighted to see the, the successful return of brendan fraser because you know, I've enjoyed a lot of his movies when I was sort of like 14, 15 in the 90s. And um, yeah. Mm. I, I just enjoyed the whole Danny the Street. Um, and I thought the episode Sets Patrol was absolutely fucking hilarious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was pretty, pretty wild. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think they're all really great actors, and Brenda, it's great to see Brenda Fraser back. And I think, um, oh my gosh, I'm terrible of names today. The multi, uh, the multiple personality character, um, yes. Crazy Jane. Crazy Jane, yes. Uh, I kept having Typhoid Mary. I was going to say call her Crazy Mary. I'm like, that's not right. Um, I think that actress especially is just brilliant because of how she can transform you know, her acting performance between all those characters. I think uh, that's a dream job for an actor, you know, to be able to essentially play, you know, unlimited, potentially up to 60 or whatever different characters in one. Um, and she does a great job. Yeah, I mean, I, I, Crazy Jane's actually my favorite character. From, from the series, you know, so I'm like, um, I just I just love her character. I think she might be mine too, um, especially with season two. Season one, not as much, just because she was so against everything a lot of times. Uh, I think I like Robot Man, I like Cliff's character a little bit more in season one than I did in season two. They just, they're all really good, but they kind of flow... Oh, season two robot with Robot Man. That 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 that, that parody that they did, uh, him and Cyborg. Oh yes, yeah. yeah. Stephen uh, Stone. That was brilliant. <laughs> Stone. That was brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear, that was just. Uh, I I I absolutely wet myself laughing at that. Was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what makes that show great. Um, yeah. So, what, what else is your favorite, Ian? I'll let you all guys do yours, so then I can see what of our list was well, left. And I was actually really, really surprised, but I really, really enjoyed Stargirl. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I really, really enjoyed that series. Um, you know, I, I love the, I love the sort of like layered relationship between, between. Between Stargirl and um, the other character in it, I can't remember his name. The the, the one that's playing a stepfather. Yep. I'm yep. names today. I'm going to have to bring IMDb up to get the names, I think. Stripes is, is uh, you know, it's super Stripes nice. Is, yeah. yeah. Right. But, but I like that. Um, I, I thought the villains in that were so, so good. You know, the acting was absolutely brilliant. And, you know, with it being about teenage teenage superhero, the danger is that it can get a bit too teen-centric um, with all the sort of like soap opera elements of, of the relationships and stuff like that. And it didn't get like that at all. It, you know, it focused more on, on her journey of becoming Stargirl and... And the journey that she goes on in trying to form, you know, a, a, a new, more modern version of the Justice Society, mm-hmm. you know, with, with, with people that she meets in school. And, you know, that, that overall arc was really good. Um, and I just thought the villains were fantastic in it. And it's, it's kind of a shame that they killed off the main villain. It is. But they have a couple of really potentially awesome villains coming up. So Eclipso and uh, oh, wait, what was the other one? shade so yeah but yeah I, I i agree it was uh i watched it on dc streaming first um and dc universe and i was surprised by how good it was um i think the cw shows to be clear i love the cw superhero shows of course jeff and i have done action um, dc action hour for a couple of years and uh, we do love those shows 
but uh, but they you know they've been they're getting a little long in the tooth, I guess. So uh, some of them are getting a little predictable. Um, so I was a little unsure about Star Girl. I feel like we really needed that right now with <laughs> so many other ones. But uh, but I was pleasantly surprised. I thought that was a really well done character. I love all the sequences with her and her staff, like how they they use that. Uh, it's really cool. And, and, and that's also the relationship that's forming between her and the staff. Um, actually, Ben, that's another show we need to check out. Star Girl. <laughs> yeah, I just um, I was sort of I have to sort of sit this one out in terms of discussing it because I've not watched it. So thanks for the spoiler, Ian. Never mind. Though. <laughs> Good job, Ian. There's lots but, of villains. Yeah, Who no, knows which I mean, one that's dies? I was going to ask Ian. Um, you know, it can be difficult to sort of like watch series where you've got to catch up with like three or four or five or stuff like, you know, the, the, the big crossover event with the D stuff. I've seen none of that stuff. And it's like it's too, too, you know, your time's too limited to catch up with all of them. So I was going to say, um, you know, what other series do you know that where there's maybe one or two seasons that have been? So I can look forward to hopefully a second series next year. So, yeah, Stargirl is one over Christmas that I'll definitely get onto. And the good thing about it, Ben, is it's only about, I think there's only about 10 episodes of it, Matt, isn't it? Is it just um, 10? Is it 10 or 13? I can't remember. Um, 10 or 13. It wasn't 26 episodes like, like a regular series. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think that's what the CW needs to start doing, actually, is they need to do away with 20, 23, 26 episode runs and just tell the story over 10 or 13 episodes. I, I agree with you. I think... Uh, now there's certain shows they're fine but like with the cw ones because they have the shared universe you know it's they start to cannibalize their own viewers that way if you're not careful because there's so many shows and uh i think they would benefit from you know being smart about how like rotating some in and out and then having shorter seasons they go to make those shows stronger and uh they could get um and i don't think they would cannibalize their own numbers a little bit because they, they got to be doing that a little bit at this point because I love those shows, but I've gotten to the point where I'm like, oh my gosh, some of them I'll just wait until they're on Netflix because I just can't keep up with it. You know, it's too many shows to try to watch of one franchise every week. There's so many other good shows out there that I, yeah. I just I, I review them every week. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's volume. I think um, what I'm starting to notice is that you know the original Star Trek series and Supernatural shows like that traditionally between 22 and 25, but because of the amount of series that are being made, I think people are starting to have to sh- sort of like cut it down to between 10 and 15 because people just haven't got the time to watch everything. Yeah, I agree. It's like, um, I mean, it was fine for Supernatural, but that's the only show in that franchise. So, you know, if I'm really a Supernatural fan, that's the only show I'm asked to watch, you know. There's not like yeah, three yeah. other spinoffs or something. Um, but one good thing we haven't said that you probably don't know about Stargirl is that Stargirl, even though it's on CW, is actually on its own Earth in the multiverse. So you don't yeah, have to I'll- watch any of the other ones to, to follow it. Oh, cool, yeah. I think that's it um, with all the – I was sad to have sort of missed the Crisis of Infinite Earths. I'm a big Superman fan. But again, like you said, I mean, even if there was nine series or something, like if there was ten episodes of series, I might just slug it out. But, you know, I don't know when I'm going to be able to watch like – 220 episodes of Arrow to catch up. You know, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> you could skip Arrow. The way they, they ended it, I was like, no. No, I shouldn't say that. But <laughs> yeah, The only reason I watched Arrow was because of the hot babes. You know, because of the, you know, the um, Rassau Ghoul's daughters, you know. The, oh, yeah. The, the, yeah. You know, the, the, those were the hot babes, the villains, not the good guys. <laughs> The biggins are actually hot. Didn't think guy. Black Canary was hot. Is that what you're saying? Not none of them. I didn't really have anything going on for Black Canary. <laughs> My heart belongs to the to the Al Ghul sisters. 
Yeah, well, there's a new Superman show coming out, uh, so you may want to check yeah. that out. I think that's where uh, I will pick up DC Universe from there, you know, because I'm pretty sure that I'll be able to start watching it afresh without having to know too much about all the others. Um, do we know also if Stargirl's been renewed? It's all any new Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's not being made by DC now, it's being made by CW, uh, which means it could actually end up changing a little bit, um, so it might not be as good as the first season. We'll see. It's it got depends. the same producer, so who knows? Yeah, but tolling it, it might, they might dumb it down a little bit for the CW audience, you know? Yeah, it's, it's a risk, maybe, that they can do sometimes. Because I, I think Supergirl took a hit a little bit in the writing when they moved over to CW. I think they adjusted, but um, but you could tell a difference in it. And, and to be fair, not to pick on the writers or anything like that, because I don't know them or anything, and I know how hard it is to write television, but uh, it could be just as much about budget and stuff, too, that they had less sets to play with and special effects, so I had to adjust to that. Okay, well, uh, my uh, my second choice um, is one that Ben can come in on, and you can come in on, and uh, it's kind of a controversial choice, in a sense, because uh, there's as many people love it as there are those that hate it, but I'm going to go with uh, Star Trek Picard. I really enjoyed that series this year, um, and I got so much more from it by reading the um, reading the prequel material mm-hmm. that came out in form of the novel, uh, Picard and Last Best Hope, and the, um, and, and the comic book series um but i i really enjoyed picard i, I, I thought it was a, a pretty decent show um i kind of like the dark edgy characters although i do find it kind of questionable uh but we're suddenly seeing people swear and smoke in the uh <laughs> in, in, in the star trek universe it, it, so it doesn't really seem to uh, seem to fit with everything we've seen before, you know, it's like somebody just, uh, you know, and said, hey, our Federation and uh, Federation citizens, here's an encyclopedia of swear words. You can say fuck now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it's just it was edited from the perspective of Wesley Crusher before. That's what it was. It can put the kids, you know, swearing or that kids swearing what I'm saying, but the swear words in <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I I don't think it's that controversial in my opinion because I would I would also so I've been a, a, a hater lover I guess of Star Trek Discovery when it came out uh, season one was like man I don't know how I feel about the show in season one there's some good episodes yeah. there was I hate what they did with the Klingons you know it was like the tone was overplaced they messed up the canon I don't know why Star Trek people keep wanting they for so long they just been like we want to go backwards in time but we want cooler gadgets and we want to change everything. And just like, well, go forwards then. Go forwards. You do whatever you want forwards. Why do you want to mess with what's in the past? Um, and, and, and honestly, how many people like our age or younger are going, boy, I want more adventures of Kirk, you know? They're not watching the original Star Trek. They, they probably were raised on Voyager or, or The Next Generation or something. Um, anyway, so, but I love Picard. There were a few questionable moments. Julie and I talked about the show on, on John Entertainment, and well, actually, you were with us on that episode, right? Yeah, and, I was. And yeah, I, I forgot. I about think that. we, I think we actually all agreed that um, a lot of the fans that complain about Picard and saying it's um, chaton over their childhoods and stuff like that, they're kind of seeing starter of the next generation through rose tainted classes. Because there were many, many times where where they where where, where the crew, the Enterprise did questionable things in Star Trek: The Next Generation. You know, oh, yeah. it's, it's just so like it's it's just more. It probably it probably feels more more close to home now than it did back then. Because so like um, when Star Trek: The Next Generation was made, we didn't have the internet, we didn't have access 
to as much information as we do now. And and I think I think the you know the the edgiest stuff, the the whole in the notion of um, Picard separating from the Federation and stuff like that. It's quite believable. It's even more believable when you read that prequel book and you read what happened in, in that prequel book, um, as, as Ben will tell you. Yeah, cheers, Ian. Yeah, I think it's as good a time as any to sort of um, come in on that. It's a good prompt that because I read that book and got a much more enjoyment from the series. Um, it's certainly not an action-based book, which some people sort of like thought it should have been. A lot of people, you know, had issues with the book. Um, but as we know, I interviewed the um, the author. Um, I interviewed Ivan McCormack. He was a massive sort of fan of the show. And um, I believe their favourite series was sort of DS9, which is definitely the most sort of political and cerebral show of, you know, the Star Trek canon for me. Um, and I think most fans would probably agree with that. And and those aspects of it are coming out. Um, I think to sort of comment on what you were saying about TNG and people saying it crapped over the childhood and stuff like that. Um, the truth is, now, there is so much television, and I touched on this when I was talking about, you know, there being 24 episodes of series to 10, that we're all guilty of expecting everything to be incredible straight away because of the sheer amount of competition. And it's something we've got to be very cautious of um, because... There were a few standout episodes of TNG, for example, I'll sort of focus on that, in the first two, three seasons, you know, but it didn't really hit its stride, it didn't start winning awards, and the most talked about episodes didn't come till the fourth season, and I think, as a society, we're becoming extremely demanding that everything's got to be brilliant, and it's got to be brilliant right now, or I'll watch something else. And these people work really, really hard, pouring their heart into telling stories. As Mark said, it's not easy to write, or to write for TV. And, you know, we need to give things a bit more patience. And it's a shame that we're moving towards sort of like we're almost not able to do that because there's so much saturation with shows. And that's, you know, maybe it was odd to see Picard season one, but the second season you'll be used to it. You know, you'll be used to seeing things a bit a bit different than they were, a bit swearing, drinking. I don't know, a more sort of Tarantino-esque universe <laughs> for one better um, terminology. But, yeah, I feel very strongly about being overly demanding on like everything being incredible right now, I think it's sort of a rocky road to go down. The only thing that got me about Picard a little bit was um, in, in The Next Generation, he describes Earth as a utopia. He says, we no longer have the need for things. You know, we, you know we're no longer defined by, 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 our, by our possessions and whatnot. We, we, we're defined by sort of like uh, the betterment of ourselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that being the case, how come Rafi was living in a trainer park and he, he's in in a, in a vineyard? And you know, obviously it's his family vineyard, but you kind of had you kind of had the, the notion that there was still a class system in play there, when which kind of contradicted what he said what he said about the Federation and and uh, the way they lived on Earth. So I'm kind of wondering if the events of the book kind of um, sort of brought back a class system to some extent within within a society. I think it's definitely... Um, it, 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 we're definitely moving towards there being stories and Discovery Season 3, you know, ties in with Picard, I think. They have done a very good job of making those two shows similar in tone in terms of what's going on in the Federation and things like that. But I think that, you know, a lot of these shows, um, you know, I think it was in its third, second, third season, TNG, when... You know, Europe was changed in 1989 when the Berlin Wall came down and fall of communism. And I think everybody thought, this is it. This is our utopia now. Wow. Like, you know, we're no longer living in fear of being eradicated by nuclear bombs. And the reality is that there's new threats. There's different threats, a different type of sort of darkness in the world. And I think it's nowadays we're seeing with stories a lot more of a complicated view. And um, I think for now, story-wise, 
we, we've done with everything being utopic and everything being brilliant because the world around us is far from that. It's a dark place to live and that's bound to impact upon the stories that are being told by writers, I think. Mm. I'm just waiting for them to bring in a, an orange race of aliens called the Trump. <laughs> the Trump Trump. The Trumpity Trump. I think Donald Trump, do you remember that? Do you remember that Star Trek episode, the original series episode? Where they had the space hippies come on and they all had orange skin and the Herman, the Herman, yeah. I think I think Donald Trump is a Herman. <laughs> yeah, but he's a Herman that broke bad and threw away his guitar. You know, now we're seeing the back of him, we can finally get used to satire because he single handedly destroyed the concept of satire. There was nothing left to satirize once Donald Trump was the president, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. He did a pretty good job. You know, we're making the vice president the coronavirus. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> I um, I, to speak about your your class thing, I think I think the I forget who one of the producers was asked a similar question about that, and they said, well, you know, no matter what happens in our society, humans are still humans, and we have flaws. You know, people will still get addicted to drugs occasionally, and you know, and other things might happen. And I think for that character, she's at this that point in her life, she's a little self destructive, like she's you know doesn't have a relationship for her son she's got all these conspiracy theories going on she's probably doing a few shady things uh you know for money or whatever she's doing i'm not sure um but uh that might be why she just decided to live somewhere out in the middle of nowhere and has such modest you know uh living situations perhaps so Mm -hmm. um that's the way i took it at least i mean you know don't get me wrong it did actually make her quite an interesting character Mm -hmm. and uh, i remember at the time when when we're going on about you know people complaining about they're going on about vaping and for for fuck's sake watch star trek 3 and watch the bit in the bar with mccoy you'll find people in the background they're vaping and there's actually a comment on it within the film you know so you know they had vaping in star trek people since star trek 3 (laughs) (laughs) yep they uh they invented vaping, apparently. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, you know, but it's, it, it's just the thing is, is we're, humans have the same potential flaws. And even if you got rid of greed, because there wasn't money per se, uh, there's still pride, you know, that you want, you know, uh, you know, you want to be an important person or seen well, and that could drive you to do things. And there's addiction to drugs or just pleasurable things. And, you know, those are all things that can still happen no matter what, you know. <laughs> I think the big thing is that, like, you can't, whatever ideology that you live in or under or under the auspices of, you can't live away from an ideology. And that's always going to mean that there are power dynamics at play. Um, I remember when I was a kid, you know, my dad's a history teacher and I was about eight or nine and stuff. I was learning about Hitler at school and stuff. And I said, like, to my dad, you know, why didn't he just sort of like, if he could do anything he wanted, he had a lot of power. Why didn't he just get all the money and just be like the richest? And that was one of my first very big life lessons he sort of said, because it wasn't about money, it was about power. And that's the crux of all sort of conflicts, stories and, con- sorry, conflicts in stories in, is that, yeah, you can eradicate money, you can even eradicate poverty and things like that, but you're still going to have people competing to be the most powerful, you know? Yeah, it's still going to be a power vacuum. Yeah, that's it. And I know we were talking about seeing that in um, Mandalorian as well, Ian. You know, that's what we were chatting about, wasn't it? Seeing that, you know, this idea of, like, the good guys win after the end of Return of the Jedi and everything's all right isn't the case at all and that's yet another example you know of stories becoming more complicated and having to consider things differently than simple good guys versus bad guys struggle good guys win mm-hmm. well i'm actually hoping Marx has picked the mandalorian as one of his best shows because i think we've got to discuss it because it is one of the best shows 
uh, this year again yep. uh, for my money. I um, I think before we change topics, though, I do want to say a shout out to Discovery too because I feel that this season of Star Trek Discovery is is feels like legitimate Star Trek. Like I feel like they finally yeah. figured it out how to make the show work. It's getting there, yeah. It's absolutely getting there. I mean, um, the only thing I like to see is I like to see a little bit less emphasis on on a. Uh, on Burnham and Saru, and a little more emphasis on the um, on the other members of the bridge crew, you know, such as the De- Deepmar and, uh, and and the other woman that 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 she 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 works up, you know, and and uh, you know they have got they've got such they've got a big bridge crew there, and you know hardly any of it gets up in because it's uh, Stamets, uh, Tingy, and Saru and and Burnham that are getting all the drama. Yeah, I agree. And, it was really bad in season one, where it just like oh, you know, names of half the crew, you know. Uh, and they didn't seem interested in telling us. Like the one woman who's the almost full cyborg character, we don't know, we knew almost nothing about her until season two. Whenever that episode was more focused on her when she was going to die, and uh, I was like, man, yeah. it'd been nice to know this character a little bit better, a little bit longer, if we could just could have like gotten some kind of you know episode with her <laughs> before this. That was a mistake. Yeah, I thought um, killing off Arium was a serious mistake. I felt because she was potentially a very very interesting and strong character. Yeah, but dude, she was in danger of joining the hit. You you know with her being Aryan and that <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah she was an interesting character and then they kill her off uh, you know and, and I feel like the pilot she's got any more <laughs> terrible names partly because we've seen so little of them uh, but uh, yeah, it has the cybernetic implant you know she seems like an interesting character too and we're getting more of that of her in this season but we still it's, I feel like there's still so little like compared to I know the original series is very heavy on, on, on Kirk, Spock and um and bones but i felt like we got to know the rest of the cast a lot better in that series for example and definitely in tng we got to know everybody really well and uh it hasn't been quite as uh, evenly handed out in um in discovery especially season one because so much about burnham and everything i think star trek excels whenever it's more about the ensemble cast absolutely especially, especially so with a show like discovery because like the whole thing that's screaming out is we're a crew of one and we're a family and even maybe more than any other show that unity seems to be there but it's like well if it is show us how you act with each other then otherwise the others just look like spare parts you know the the last episode was it the week before not the, not this week the week before where sort of detma um with, with, she's the one with the implant in her eye she went off on this little sort of like side mission and, and it was cool to see, but it just seemed like, yeah, okay, I don't, I can't care enough about you because I don't know anything about you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they got to give us more about these other characters and really, you know, you know use use the whole cast and stuff. Um, I mean, I like the main characters, but... You know, Especially his to- sort of like they suggested that they were going to do that. And I think it was in the first two, three episodes. I can't remember what episode, second one, I think, where she sort of, after the crash landing... You think something's really up with her and you start thinking, okay, she's going to get a story arc out of this. Something's going to happen. But it, then it hasn't yet. Maybe it will. Yeah, they, they're kind of hinting at, they're strongly hinting at PTSD with yeah. her character. And, um, you know, and, and, and I think the um, the sense of the, you know, of the feeling of disorientation that you get with that, with PTSD, because I, I, I've actually had experience with PTSD myself. Um, they, they got a bang on, but what they what what they've not got bang on is is the nuances and and how it how it can change a person's personality and and stuff like that. And it's not working with Detmer because as as Ben's already pointed out, we don't really know her. And you know, in order to care about a character, you need to know know a little bit more about their internal life. Yeah. you can't make it journey with them if you don't have essential details about. You need to know who they were before, who they want to become, and then watch that happen, essentially. Yep, I think that's the only missing piece right now. Because I think the 
the missions and the feel and vibe and everything is really great in, in season three. First season was a complete car crash. The second series was a bit better, you know, but I do feel that the third series, I was like, yeah, I, I, I can I can call this Star Trek and I can start to enjoy this now. Yeah. So hopefully it'll go from strength to strength, you know? Yeah, I hope so. And I, I love, like, we're seeing the potential future of the Trill and, and, and what the United, you know, Vulcan homeworld of Nevi. And, you know, those are really cool things to see. And then, you know, cool advancements in technology and stuff. And, you know, hearing about the time wars, they're pulling in. All sorts of stuff from Picard and from the the Kevlin um, or the the Kelvin movie series and stuff and you know I think that's great that they're doing that. Yeah, it's done a good. It's done. Um, season three has done a really good job of incorporating old canonical things. And um, Ian and I um, would be fascinated. So we have the same opinion. Um, do you think that dude Carl who was on the planet in last week's episode was a Q, um, Max? I think it's very possible, yeah, um, from what we've seen. Of course, in the original series, they had a lot of Q-like characters before there was a Q, you know? Yeah, it's not. Yeah, so it could be, you know, it depends on if they want. They could use one of them and, and pull them in, or they could, or it could just be a Q. I don't know. We'll see what, what they do. I mean, it, was, um, it's, it's, it is getting better, it's Discovery, I think. It's, um, you know, it, it's now turned into a show that I kind of look forward to watching every week, whereas before... I was kind of like watching it in the hopes I'd just get better, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, with season one, I watched the first episode because it was on TV. And then I uh, I think I got, I forget what, how I did it, but maybe I did a free trial of CBS All Access and I just binged the rest of the season, maybe, and then got rid of it. And then season two, I actually start watching it and I actually stuck with CBS All Access until the whole the whole season was done because it was good enough to at least you know watch it because of Cap- Captain Pike and Spock and stuff and it was an improvement in a lot of ways and um, and then with season three I was already they had me hooked because of Picard and then Lower Decks I stuck around for that. And then Discovery came on. I was like, oh, okay, I actually like, this is really, this is actually up there now with, you know, actual Star Trek shows. <laughs> so I, I can uh, I can actually stick with this and watch this. So let's get more of this. <laughs> so Okay, well, um, Matt, so what are your uh, top two TV series? <sighs> um, so I'm going to save Mandalorian for last. It's, I think you should have, actually have four because obviously you've got to count Jimmy's choices in there. So Okay. Let's start with these two that, are, that lean a little more towards Julie's. Um, so The Good Place is a show that both Julie and I have quite enjoyed that wrapped up this season. I don't know if you guys watched that or not. Either... I watched I watched like um, four or five episodes of the uh, first season mm-hmm. and I was kind of getting into it but uh, got distracted away with uh, all the stuff being on. So I have seen it and it is quite funny. That's a show that is, I think... Everybody who wants to write mm, science fiction or high concept stories should give it a shot and, and watch it because it takes a concept that could have gotten old, but they put a new twist on it every season to really keep it going and build upon the overall story and the characters. And, um, you know, the first season's big twist was really a big twist. The rest of them are still big, but they're not quite as like, oh my gosh, you know. Um, and it wrapped up so well and like that everything tied together. It's like, like reading a book series or something, you know, like a, like a four book series saga or something. 
everything tied together so well at the end and it was very touching to what happened to all the characters and um and wrapped up everything really well so if you watched the last season versus the first season you'd be like wow how did they get here with it and i thought that was really well done because it's it's funny but also they talk about the, uh, the author the writer i mean or writers perhaps um you know really put a lot of thought into like well, what could afterlife be and what's a good person what's a bad person you know what makes a good person a bad you know How's that? How can you judge someone and score them fairly? And how would a system look like that? And what could be the flaws in a system like that? And, you know, and, and they mention a lot of, in the funny ways, <clears throat> you know, uh, philosophy type stuff that, at first, I thought it was just the throwaway joke thing, but then as you go through it, you see that they did a lot of research on the philosophy, and and uh, they come up with really funny twists on um, what an afterlife could be like, and things that maybe people don't think about uh, that I thought was really interesting. So it's a it's a funny show that actually is very high concept, very uh, thought provoking in many ways. So um, and and they ended it the way they wanted to with season four. Um, and I think it wrapped up it was one of the best endings or uh, one of the best endings, only really top 10 endings of a, of a show, sci-fi or fantasy related I've seen. Yeah, on Netflix, it's only half hour episodes, uh, you know, so it's, it's pretty, it's pretty easy, easy watch to fit in. Um, but I think, I think the premise, Marks, is right. You know, this this woman, she gets into um, into heaven, is it? It's kind of heaven. Yeah, they call it the good place, but yeah. And the good place. So she's not, she, she, she's not really deserving of it in, in the sense that she's very flawed and she shouldn't, she's so like, as soon as she gets there, she's starting to break all the rules. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. She's she's afraid that like, oh my gosh, I shouldn't be here. This was a mistake. How can I keep this secret? And then she befriends another character who is who was a philosophy, um, uh, you know, expert in philosophy and um, in his life. But he was also he also you know had some issues too where he can he can't ever make decisions about things. You know, he, he think he tries to see all sides and make the perfect answer and uh, that can sometimes uh, be a problem and but he tries to train her or teach her about good and evil and how to be a good person you know try it so that way she can i guess fake it till you make it right <laughs> and uh yeah so there's a, there's a lot of plot twists and that happen i don't want to ruin anything because there's there's big ones every season at least or more than one sometimes um but it's definitely one worth checking out if you watch season one because they are short uh, half hour episodes and short seasons if you watch all of season one and you're not going like oh i really gotta watch season two then maybe it's not for you but uh uh, but it is quick to watch. You can binge it on Netflix, and uh, it's a pretty cool, funny, and also thought-provoking type show. Mm-hmm. Not one I've seen, but again, I look forward to watching that. Perhaps over the holidays, if I um, run out of stuff to watch, I'll uh, give that a go. <laughs> cool. So another show that we're both enjoying, uh, I'll put it on Julie's list maybe, Uh um, or that was on her list too, but I'll make her one of her top two choices was it's something we're watching now that we're not hundred percent done with yet. So maybe, maybe we'll be disappointed. I don't know, but, uh, uh, we're really enjoying it right now because we got HBO max recently and, uh, partly cause I really wanted to watch Lovecraft country and cause I like Lovecraftian type stuff. That, that's another show that I wish I'd put on my list. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we're, we're almost done with the season. We're not hundred percent done yet, but that's been a, a really good show. Uh, it's right up there with, you know, I thought Watchmen last year was amazing. I think it's 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 right up there with you know uh, a great you know a number of black actors and talking about kind of history through through the black uh, lens or POV of being a, a black person in America. 
and uh, while also integrating all these Lovecraftian kind of concepts um, in, in unique unique ways. And um, you know, I found it really good. It's really good. It's got some scary moments, got some gross up moments, got some you know just off the wall crazy moments. And the acting's really good, and the stories are something you know a little different than that we've ever seen before. We reviewed Lovecraft County on Sci-Fi Pulse. Good. Yeah, I think that's a really great show. I mean, HBO does good good stuff, and uh, uh, I thought Watchmen was amazing last year, and this was uh, on par with it. So, is it going to get renewed, or is it like a limited series? Do you know? I don't know. I mean, it kind of ended. Uh... Well, don't tell me about the ending, because <laughs> I haven't seen the ending yet. All right. Um, well, I don't know. Um, the I, I think it should be renewed, but I think if it is renewed, it, it'll be different again. I think. Yeah. Well, and I think it should be different. Should be different. Um, but uh, I hope they have another season because I, I like. I think Lovecraftian lore isn't used enough in TV, and uh, it's really good stuff uh, to use. And I don't know. I haven't read the book yet. I do have a copy of the book uh, on my Kindle, and um, I started reading it, but then I stopped when I heard the series is coming out. They didn't want to. They want to ruin it because it's very rare that I read a book and then I can enjoy the series or movie that's based on. Usually, it's always a disappointment uh, compared to the book. So I like to do it in reverse if i can so i'm gonna give the book a read after i'm done with this, this season and see because i almost feel like the two episode first two episodes felt like that would have been a whole book um i was kind of kind of surprised it uh it uh, shifted the way it did from episode two to three mm. i'll be curious to see if you know what the book has in it uh in it, comparison it has it has quite a lot of shifts that's all i'll say it's the first the first the, the, the series does have a lot of shifts Right up to the very end. Oh, yeah. And you know right from the bat, like, uh, the character's having kind of a dream type sequence. And you learn really quick that this is going to be a little different because it was it shifts from, like, a black and white world, or, um, war, uh, world. I guess it was supposed to be World War II. I'm not really sure what war it was supposed to be. He didn't fight in World War II, though, but... Uh, I think it's I think it's probably after the Korean War. I guess so. Did they have ditch fighting in, in Korean War though? That's why I wasn't sure. Um, but uh, or trenches, but whatever war it was, it was black and white and showing the character fighting and um, and then you know then it shifts into you know weird alien princess hovering and alien ships and monsters attacking. <laughs> it's like okay, well, this is going to be a little different. Whatever it is, even if it's a dream, you know you, you get a hint that this is going to be pretty crazy, and it, and it lives up to that. So. Yeah, I think at the time he was having that dream, he was actually reading. Um, he was reading the Princess of Mars. That's right. That's right. So there was elements of that in there. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So that was those two that maybe a little more influence for Julie. And then um, uh, the only reason I say that is because love because she's she doesn't like horror, but she's enjoying Lovecraft Country. So uh, so it's a little odd for her. Um, all right. So another one on my two. I'll say is The Boys season two. I've been really enjoying The Boys. Oh yeah, this is one that uh, me and Ben can both come in on because we both enjoy The Boys. Oh good. Yeah, I mean, I think The Boys season one was great. It was so different from other superhero shows. You know, kind of deconstructing that um, uh, kind of genre. And uh, I think they continued it really well. And while continuing on what was in season one, but then shifting in some new directions that we might not have expected. And of course, a big, big surprise is at the end. Um, I mean, Homelander has become kind of an iconic character now, like that's showing up in, in <laughs> parodies and memes all the time, right? So, and there's a lot of TV shows that can't say they can pull that off. And so I think that's great. Um, and I just, I love all the commentary uh, that they have in it. I love, you know, how crazy it is and, um, and Butcher and, and all those characters, including all the super, superheroes. 
uh, are just really interesting characters where I, I really want to see what happens to them. And I can't wait for season three. Yeah, I can't wait to see what happens to the deep in season three because that guy is messed up. <laughs> <laughs> right. I love the sequence where he's singing with his gills, right? <laughs> because he was high. <laughs> It's just not just that because the deeps the deeps probably feeling proper screwed over from that religious organization he joined mm-hmm. by the fact that, you know the by the fact that that the other one um um was it the the um the, the speedster what's his name he joined the organization and um, you know he does does something you know pretty much out out of line with what this organization is demanding of them and yet he gets promoted back up to the to the seven mm-hmm. yeah and that's cool you know that's obviously some kind of reference you know to scientology and then they got a lot of references to corporations and uh you know it's and, and celebrity worship and stuff uh in our culture and in foreign you know warfare and stuff like that um and of course commentary on alt-right and uh misinformation on the web you know mm-hmm. uh, so i think they they've kept a lot of major elements of the comic books the graphic novels but they've updated it and i think all the choices they've made they were different from the graphic novel. Have all been good choices for it because the graphic novel, for one thing, it's a different time or slightly different time than where we're at right now in history, and uh, so it needs some changes for that. And then also, uh, it gets a little too extreme for my tastes, and I think they tone it down just enough for television, where it's still pretty crazy for TV, but it's not so crazy that it's going to uh, get banned by multiple groups of people. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they shown the original uh, ending that they had in mind for season two. Um, I think it could could have well have potentially got itself banned. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it just uh, but it's it'll be interesting to see what they do. And, and they've done, you know, there's major things that they changed, right? Like you know, Homelander's son didn't exist in the in the graphic novel, and the wife of Butcher wasn't alive in the graphic novel. So they've they've taken bold choices to take it in new directions and i think we're really well done eric kripke i love eric kripke from you know he creates supernatural love supernatural which sadly wrapped up this year but had a great run right 15 years is good in anybody's book it's probably got to be a record for the longest horror series definitely for horror yeah but i think even sci-fi fantasy it might be if you don't count doctor who of course it might be a, a record um, I always say that for Doctor Who because, you know, they got that. They swished around. And, I don't know. It's got a unique yeah. way of, of counting the numbers. Uh, well, they, they actually tried to um, they tried to make Star- Stargate the longest running show in television uh, a number of years back. And uh, the, the writers of Doctor Who came in and said, well, you know, Doctor Who ran for 17 consecutive years without going off air. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? um, whereas, in fact, it didn't. It only ran for sort of like uh, perhaps... Uh, 15 consecutive years without going off air because they took it off air for 18 months in the um, in the 80s mm-hmm. because they the the uh, head of the BBC tried to, tried to have the show scrapped um, and didn't succeed um, until he did get it scrapped in 1989. Well, anyway, 15 years, supernatural, pretty impressive run. So. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and, and Eric Kripke did Revolution after that, which unfortunately did not do quite as well, and uh, you know whatever else after that. And then he, I think he finally got a hit with the boys. So we got Jensen Ackles coming in in season three. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. gonna, it's gonna be great. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, it, I I don't think any other show that I've seen. Fair enough. I don't sort of I don't live in America. You know, I live in the UK. I'm not from America. Wasn't born there. But you know, if you read the news, you sort of know what's going on mm-hmm. with corporate America and sort of like you know the, the sort of various factions within Republicans and the Democrats and the whole Trump movement and the rise of the old right. I don't think there's any other show that's quite as brilliantly topical as the boys. Not in the same way. Anyway, I think, 
not only does it do that, but it doesn't do that at the expense of telling a really entertaining story either, which you run the risk of doing when you do that. It's um, I didn't know how it was going to follow up from being such a groundbreaking first series because I think in you know today's day and age, it's very hard to break the mould. So much has been done, and the boys really did. The boys were something completely new, and there was always that fear of the second series never going to have quite the same impact, but... It's done a really fantastic job of establishing it as one of like the shows to watch. I think mm-hmm. for sure, like um, Supergirl, for example, does try to tackle certain commentary issues, but I think they do it. They do not do it as as uh, well, and they and it tends to be a little bit like uh, overdone. Like it's too obvious. It tends to be very very woke. Yeah, yeah, it could be labeled that, right? And it's it'd be a turnoff for people. It's definitely a big turnoff for anybody who might disagree with it. And then you're not uh, sharing your message or helping them see a different angle because they're turned, you know, they'll just quit watching it. Right. But it's then quite a turn off me and, um, and I, I'm not, I'm not necessarily the person that disagrees with it. Well, yeah, I don't disagree with uh, it's just about everything that they're trying to say, but it's so like, uh, you know, well, hammering I, you over I, the head with it. And yeah. it's so, uh, um, it's, it's not done. It, it, it also hurts the story. Like it just, it just, it's forced in there or it doesn't feel organic for the story that it, it, it is a turnoff because even though I agree with a lot of them like come on guys seriously you know it's like people don't need to be have the mind forced most people who watch the show are against all the stuff that it's saying and agree that there's a lot of social injustices and underrepresentation and it's wrong it doesn't need to be you have to think this because most people do that whereas with the boys what it does is just present that it's going on it doesn't sort of tell you that it's bad one way or another whereas Supergirl, by the sounds of it, given I haven't watched it, tends to say, isn't this terrible? Oh, my God. Whereas the boys leaves you to make your own conclusions and respects the intelligence of the viewers, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the best way to do... I think it's. I think, I think. think stories should have some social commentary in it. It should have some, you know, deeper meaning to it. But you want to trust that your audience can see. If you present different sides, different angles, you know, that, they'll, that yeah. they will see, you know, they'll get the lesson out of it, you know? Um, rather than just tell them what they must think, and because uh, they don't react, you know, people don't react well to that even if they agree to it, <laughs> and it, and it, it removes um, it removes some of the like the magic behind the screen or the the magic in the storytelling because you start seeing the author, the writer behind it like telling it's, you something. There's, there's no nuance to the characters. There's no sort of like. You know, the, the characters are way for thin because they're basically just politicking what's... what's it's just virtue doing. signaling, isn't it? It's virtue signaling taken to the extreme. And that's exactly it. Yeah, it's just taken too much to the extreme and... Yeah, you know, which is which is unfortunate because um, there's good messages in Supergirl. It just it's just uh, too much. Um, well, and you can just see there's other things too. I have problems with Supergirl. Like there's a lot of good episodes and things about Supergirl, but they have a lot of plot holes and other things in it that frustrate me. But anyway, well, we can talk about that later. <laughs> Uh, so the last one is, of course, what we mentioned for the Mandalorian, so which is on right now, and uh, we've been really enjoying it. What's What's really great right now is we're like Thursdays is Star Trek Discovery, Star Trek Thursdays, and then Friday is Star Wars Friday. Star Wars, yeah, and it's like. Could you ever imagine, like, a decade ago that you would ever be able to say that? Be like, yeah, Star Trek Thursday and Star Wars Fridays. Woo, you know? (laughs) (laughs) You'd kind of be lucky if it was Star Trek Thursdays, you know? Um, And I can't wait till there's Marvel shows so then I could say Marvel Wednesdays or whatever day it is. 
Oh, yeah. That's definitely coming up in our most anticipated stuff of of 2021. Yes. Uh, Yeah, Mandalorian, it's rocking out of the park. I just love love the... You know, I'm not really a big fan of Katie Sackhoff, but I thought she was fantastic as Bo-Katan. You know, I think she did a brilliant job of... um, of bringing her animated character to live action, you know. Um, but I also, I absolutely loved Rosario Dawson, who I'm still crushing on to this very day, uh, since first seeing her in the um, in, in one of the Kevin Smith movies. I think it was, um, I think it was Clerks 2 I seen her in, the first time I seen her. And I've been crushing on her ever since then. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I thought she was absolutely brilliant as a as a Soul Katanu. Oh yeah, you know she kind of got that character brilliant. Yeah, I, I kind of loved. I, I'm really loving how they're tying in elements of Rebel Rebels, you know. And I'm kind of waiting for them to bring Sabine Wren in, into the fold. And um, but it's just awesome. We've got Boba Fett, um, and and just seeing Boba Fett sort of like uh, it's like Boba Fett's on 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 a bit of a redemption arc at the moment, right? Yeah, yeah, I love how they're they're tying together. Like I, I never watched off Clone Wars, and I only watched a little bit of Rebels. But now that they've tied it so well to those characters, now like oh, now I gotta watch them. So yeah, you gotta go back now and watch them. <laughs> we are, we're watching Clone Wars right now, and uh, you know, and uh, working our way up. So because at first I was like, I don't know. I mean, the Clone Wars time period is not one of my favorite time periods of Star Wars. No, mine either. But yeah. the, the animated series, it's got a lot more nuance to it. The the acting's better. The characterizations are better. And I've got to tell you, I, I love Ahsoka Tano, but I absolutely hated her to begin with. Oh, I yeah. thought she was so annoying. <laughs> in the first season of Clone Wars, I thought she was so annoying. I was, I was thinking, please, someone decapitated with a lightsaber fast. But you know, she kind of grew. She kind of grew up. You kind of saw like see see the see that character's evolution as she grows up to become to become what what you see in the um, in in the Mandalorian sort of thing. Yeah, uh, and and now she's going to get her own live action series spinning out of Mandalorian. As well, another spinoff, um, the Rangers of whatever I can't remember what it's called now. But uh, uh, you got the Bad Batch coming, which is a new animated series, you know, uh-huh, which is uh-huh. thing that's set in the Clone Wars, or, or you know, sort of after they introduce the Bad Batch in this year's final season of Clone Wars, and uh, they're basically a, a group of the uh, of, of um, Clone Troopers, but they've all got their own wild personalities, as in you know, one of them just likes blowing shit up. <laughs> <laughs> they just, just got all. They, they've all got very, very distinct personalities, and they're very, 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 very um, kind of like the A team on steroids, but oh, yeah. done Star Wars. <laughs> but <laughs> unlike the A team, they they actually hit their targets. <laughs> Star Wars now, I think, is in the right direction, and it's it's taking great use of the franchise material and you know doesn't try to like like star trek wanted to like just rewrite everything instead of use field on all the stuff they had and i think they finally figured out that was a bad idea right and uh they're getting getting in in place and star wars now has kind of got that vibe and it's got everything working really well uh between all the different uh shows or movies and uh and animated and with these spinoffs i think it's going to be really awesome and i also love that they're starting to pull stuff from or they have been pulling stuff from the legends line that got you know you know decanonized and uh, and trying to kind of bring in elements of that back i'm just enjoying the hangout of mandalorian um because i know that you know as long as dave Filoni and um and um 
the other guy, what's the other guy's name? Like John Favreau are working yeah. together. Uh, and I know that whatever they those two do, um, is gonna be good. And there's also there's other great talent behind me. Bryce Dangus Howard, she's definitely taking after her father when it comes to directing and, and stuff like that because the direct the episode she's directed have been awesome. Mm-hmm. Um is one of the what is it now, Taiko Taiko Watiti or something. Oh, His yeah. name, you know, did, did you know, he, he's done awesome episodes. It's just so like the creative talent behind the scenes as well as in front of the camera in, in, in on that series is just awesome. Yeah, I think they, you know, that, well, the, the, the prelude trilogy I hated, you know, for various reasons and um, Star Wars. And then the new trilogy, I liked parts of it, but it didn't land quite well. You could tell there was a creative battle going on between J.J. Abrams' vision and then... Um, I forgot the name of the director in the second film and, mm-hmm. and that caused a bit of a disjointness because this third final movie felt felt weird. Like it just didn't feel like the whole trilogy like flowed together very well. Um, it, it's odd. I mean, I watched the, uh, I watched all the films at the cinema, the, the uh, sequel trilogy and I went away and I loved them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But upon, upon second viewing, they don't, they don't hold up anywhere near as well. Um, the second one that they made with um, what can't remember Ryan Johnson, I think it yeah, is. Yeah, that's who I was trying to think. Um, of. The, um, the, the the plot of that was so full of fucking logic holes. You know, I mean, the, you know, we had the world's you had the world's slowest space chase, which took about two and a half fucking hours. You know, and and um, if I written that film, I would have had the rap- the Empire had the advantage. They had a huge advantage. All they needed to do really was send a few ships right up ahead and cut them off at the other end and blow them out of the fucking sky. But instead, they just saw like, oh, we'll just let them run and, you know, and and, and blast them from a distance and, and all this and, you know, and give them all this time, you know. And it's thought, this, where, in, in what fucking universe does that make any sort of logical sense? I'm yeah. sorry, but it just doesn't. No, it was, it was weird for a Star Wars series. I could see Star Trek doing something like that, but it didn't fit Star Wars. Yeah, the the second movie I think was took some you know uh, didn't pick up from the first movie as well as it should have, and then they tried to course correct in the third movie, and it just made it all feel kind of weird. Um, I think they, I think Abrams kind of overcompensated in the uh, in the third movie. I think in, in a yeah. way, and you know, and and it was very very, it was just too 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 obvious that he was that he was trying his hardest to make up for the, uh, the disappointment that so many fans had in the uh, in the second film. Yeah, and, um, you know, it's. Like, it's tough. You gotta in a trilogy. You gotta make sure there's a, a unified vision for that whole trilogy for it all play well together. It's not like separate individual movies and like a long series like Star Trek, for example, where you can drastically change you know what's going on in each movie and it feel okay. You know, one could be a comedy type one and one could be really dark. You know, you can't do that with a trilogy. It's gotta it's gotta all flow together well. All the storylines have to keep keep moving forward. Yeah, I, I think it's so sad because with Star Wars, like. It almost feels, it almost felt with those movies at times that it's like it, it doesn't matter what you make, if people go and see it, it's Star Wars, never mind. And that is what it felt like at times. Um, you know, we should, we, us three seem to share very similar views about, you know, why we didn't like them from what I listened to what you and Ian have said. Um, but I suppose my input is at least I did feel that the last half of the last movie gave a really sort of strong ending to those nine films, you know, despite what I think about the Millennium Trilogy, as I call it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least we got a proper Star Wars moment, and I was really chuffed when I sat in the cinema and I just got to see a really massive sort of battle and, you know, just a simple good guys versus bad guys adventure. And 
that's really what cinematic Star Wars sort of people, I think, works best. You know, yeah, we need to complexify things more. But in a series, you've got a scope to tell that. But in a film series, you don't really have that. Even three films of two and a half hours each, you can't go into anywhere in as much depth as you can with a series. Um, so, yeah, at least he sort of redeemed it in the last 45 minutes and you did get to see something that, you know, was was quite heartwarming and um, an emotional end to, you know, a sort of a sequel, I suppose, that's like... An end to a story, you know, nearly 50 years in the making. Yeah, yeah, it's... Uh... Yeah, making feel old. <laughs> well, before we move on to the uh, worst of the year, um, I want to do a very, very quick honourable mention for something that's just come into mind. And uh, basically, Marks, your, your, your pick of... Junie's pick of The Good Place mm-hmm. kind of reminded me about this. But there was a show that aired on Amazon Prime. Um, it came out sort of around about Easter time. It was called Upload. Mm-hmm. And it was based about a guy. He, he has his consciousness uploaded into this virtual world where, where, all, where, where all, 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 all dead people go and they have their consciousness uploaded to this sort of virtual reality like hotel where it's all five star and stuff like that um and it was kind of funny it was um it was again again like a good place it was a uh, very very philosophical uh-huh. uh you know because it was asking you know there's one episode where they're asking the question um of um you know is it really right that you should be able to have our consciousness consciousness unloaded into this sort of like virtual sort of like ongoing um version of life um as opposed to sort of like transcending into whatever we're supposed to transcend to mm-hmm. and stuff like that. it asked a lot of really really interesting questions and it stars uh it stars robbie amel um you know stephen amel's cousin mm-hmm. and it's kind it's kind of comedy it's very very similar in a sense to the good place but kind of different as well and um the much of it's about the relationship he started forms with the uh with the IT person that that that's sort of like um, his sort of like guardian angel in in the show sort of thing, and the relationship with his, he has with his girlfriend in, who's still out in the real world, and the difficulties he's having uh, to adapting to sort of like living this sort of like um, afterlife that he suddenly finds himself thrown into. It's it's quite a funny funny series. It's um it's only ten episodes I think, but you know it's, it was actually quite a good one. Yeah, yeah. Julie and I watched that and really enjoyed it too. Um, is a good show. Definitely check out. Um, I'm looking forward to season two. It's also got like a murder mystery element to it, also, and uh, like why how he died is a bit of a mystery, and uh, or the what happened behind a death. And I think that was really well done too. And there's a lot of funny stuff, and and also there's social commentary in there too about necessarily you know uh, you know overkill on it, but but like you your your heaven, your virtual heaven is as fancy as money you have in the bank, right? And uh, so the rich have these amazing paradises they can live in, whatever they want, and the poor... And the poor only get one gig a month. Yeah, they only get one gig a month, so they don't get much of anything. They're almost in a blank room the majority of the time. So uh, so that's an interesting angle they added in. Too. It's definitely worth checking out. But that's, that's my honorable mention, because um, I, I, was, I was neglectful to mention that um in, in my best pick so we're going to start on to the, on the worst of the year and uh again we'll kick off with you ben and um, i definitely know what i think is the worst show of the year the most disappointing was without a doubt for me brave new world oh yeah uh, it's a show that i was really really excited to, to watch and to review um you know i wouldn't say like i'm a massive sort of fan 
of Aldous Huxley, yeah. I mean, I have read bits and bobs of his stuff, but um, it's a very important book, you know, mm-hmm. for a lot of reasons, I think, especially the, where we're living in now. And I was very excited for the series because for such an iconic sh- um, story that's like, along with 1984, is like one of the dystopia, utopia, you know, we'll say dystopia, we'll get on to whether or not Brave New World is a dystopia or not in a wee while. But um, I would definitely say that given how well regarded it is amongst fans and writers we've not really seen anything for in a hundred years you know so this was going to be the one that made it and it was just a huge letdown i just felt that there was no cerebral element to it it was like watching a future version of game of thrones but without the good bits of game of thrones it was gaudy the sex scenes were badly written they were just tasteless um and it was just a crying shame that the whole crux of the story that i touched on a minute ago is unlike 1984, largely the people in Brave New World appear to want it to be that way, and they've arrived at that place of the story world by apathy, largely, and none of that really came through. It, it just didn't, and it was a crying, crying shame. Mm. And it, what, what's also a shame about it is the production values and the acting was superb. It's just so like the the writing was, you know, it was kind of. It kind, kind of it didn't have any of the nuance you'd expect from from a from production that's a, that's so like based on on such a classic book. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, if you look at, I don't know if you've seen this show, the UK show, uh, Marks called Devs. If you haven't, apologies, I'm referring to something you may or may not have seen, but. Um, Something like Devs, that's what it should have gone for in Brave New World, because Devs was a really, really smart show um, in that it explored morality and things. And um, Brave New World could have been the show to define our modern age and, and essentially built a pretty big franchise from it. And, you know, given the story new, new um, I don't say new life, because it's never gone away, but it could have brought it majorly back into the mainstream um, because everything that's going on in the world today, we're a damn sight closer to the world of Brave New World in many ways um, than we are 1984. You know, it's a more, um, that thing that we were talking about, not to disrespect 1984, it's a fantastic book in its own way, but you very much know that you're in a dystopia and everything they're doing is morally wrong and you know, it's so strongly one-sided. Whereas Brave New World is not like that at all. You know, you can't even call you can't call it a dystopia one way or another. And the whole point is is really is ignorance bliss, and it doesn't answer that question. And that's what makes it great. But sadly, the show wasn't able to take the essence of that and make something good out of it. Mm-hmm. Did yeah. you see it? I haven't seen it. Um, I think it's on Peacock Premium. I think, and I have the free Peacock, but I haven't uh, got the premium yet. I thought it looked interesting in the in the trailer, but I was kind of unsure if I would like it or not. Yeah, I think the trailer just shows all the set bits, doesn't it? <laughs> that's what it went for and that's what ruined it it just went for a big flash fest basically and a big sort of it just wanted to attract because it was Peacock's first main show that essentially would have launched it as a competitor which you know it it never was seriously going to compete with Netflix or or Disney Plus but that was its first sort of biggie and they thought right and all it wanted to do is pull people in it didn't care about doing the series sort of justice um and it's sad because you sort of think, you know, they made one series, it's been cancelled. When are we going to get something else out of Brave New World now, which is 
a fantastic story to sort of explore. Mm-hmm. I got bored, to be honest. I got bored about after after about once once um, once he went into the into their world. Um, I got bored after a couple of episodes of that because it just didn't seem to be going anywhere. I mean, we watched it sort of like more or less together, didn't we? You know, over that weekend, yeah. you know, one at any one time, one of us was one episode or two episodes behind the other. But we more or less watched it back to back at the same time, didn't we? And um, so we could discuss it. And, you know, we both agreed that the pilot opened really strongly. And then after a couple of episodes, it was very, very clear that it was, you know, like you said, Marks, I'm, I'm reluctant to sort of be negative about writers because maybe they do the best and they put what they feel the heart into it. But I, I can't find another word other than woeful. The, the writing was woeful at times, which is a crazy shame. Yeah. They, they they kind of needed a lot more so like what's the writing equivalent of Viagra because um, they needed the writing equipment of that or climaxes <laughs> okay well um for for the worst of the year I think we should just go with one choice each Max you get two obviously because you got Julie choice as well but, uh, my my worst of the year is. I'm going to go the same again, Doctor Who. Oh, really? Yep. I'm behind, so I haven't caught up. But now they have HBO Max, I can. They have all Doctor Who on there, at least all the new new ones. Well, basically, they just need to, uh, you know, they need to do an episode, you know, one of those meta episodes where where the producer gets a part in the in, in the episode and somebody offs him, and, and that'll solve all the show's problems. It's be, it's becoming, it's become very woke. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, but it's it's also the, you know, he's reinvented Doctor Who as in his song, like, uh, um, you know, apparently the first Doctor was not was not actually the first Doctor because the first Doctor was actually um, another Doctor, which was which was female. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm not bothered about the fact that 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 it was a female Doctor, and I'm just more bothered about the fact that he's kind of like taken the mystery out of the whole show by by coming up with this with this with this backstory. You know, the whole point of the show is it didn't have a fucking backstory. Mm-hmm. You know, you know why, why is it called Doctor Who? It's called Doctor Who because nobody actually knows who the Doctor really is. You know, yep, there's so a mystery it, of who he is, mystery of who or he or she is, or or if if if, if uh, the Doctor regenerates into a dolphin the next season or or a dog or a cat or whatever or or, um, or a banana split um it, it was a mystery surrounding the character that was kind of like the appeal for me mm-hmm. you know the fact that you, you had this mad eccentric time travel going around the universe you know sa- saving the universe from week to week and you didn't really know who that who, who that person was yeah, there are certain franchises where the mystery is is kind of part of its success, right? Like when Star Wars started talking about metachlorines, yeah, we didn't like that. They got rid of that fast. Um, or Highlander 2, where they're like, they're aliens, and people didn't like that, so they <laughs> changed that. There's just certain things where you're just like, don't answer questions that we don't want We don't want the answer to. It's part of the mystery is what we like about it. Well, that, that's basically what Chibnall's done. He's kind, of, uh, he's kind of answered the question about who the Doctor is. Um you know, we we know that um, we 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 kind of learn that it was because of the Doctor that the Time Lords actually became Time Lords because they basically, you know, the Doctor was, was experimented on, um, and um, parts of the Doctor's DNA went into went into the DNA of the people of Gangafrey, and that's how they became Time Lords and in and, and stuff like that. So, so basically, the saying that the Doctor is is the uh, premise for the creation of the Time Lords. And, and all, the, all this stuff, and it, it just so like it's it's just so it's what it's watered the show's premise down so much, uh, and I think Ben probably agrees with me. I couldn't agree with you, Maureen, and um, I'll sort of say more on that in a minute. But 
there seems to be a bit of a theme emerging here. I haven't seen Supergirl, but in certainly the, certainly the first couple of series, the first couple of seasons of Discovery, and maybe a bit with a third, but at the end of the day, you write a story and then you work the politics around it. It just doesn't work if you force, if you write a story primarily to include all these sort of, you know, virtue signals, um, which I'm not saying they're not important. They are. But at the end of the day, when I was a kid growing up, I didn't care what was going on around the world when I watched Doctor Who. I just watched it because it was about a faraway person who was in space on an adventure. And that's what I wanted to watch. And, you know, I'm not saying that you can't have topical elements in stuff and it doesn't work. As we've demonstrated, it can work and it can work fantastically well in stuff like um, The Boys and um, even The Mandalorian, which, you know, on the last podcast I talked about representation of sort of men as a mother figure. But anyway, I'm sidetracking. Um, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And something that just occurred to me, um, listening to what you've said, Ian, is why do this generation of Doctor Who viewers, why do they need an origin story for a character when the vast majority of them probably haven't even seen the older series anyway? All that's done is it's really alienated the older audience. And I don't understand why that's being done because they're the ones that it's hurt, not the current yeah, graphics. And, and, and they're, they're, the ones, they're the ones that kept it going when it was off the air all those years. That, that were part of the fact that it was so successful when it came back. Yeah, it's, you know? it's an adventure show. You know, it's an adventure show, and that's how it works best, and that's what it needs to be, really. You know what I mean? You don't need to, every single second of every single show, be screaming out, oh, my God, this is going on, that's going on. And if you're not, if you're having to do that, what it means is that you're not doing it well enough in your story that you're writing, so you're making up for it, and it's just bad writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, that's all I've got to say about Doctor Who. I don't really want to go, go, go further down the rabbit hole. Um, other than fact, no, they, they, I walked forward to watching this Christmas. I watched the New Year's special, of course, I will. And what happens, happens. And let's hope that it sort of manages to redeem itself a little bit, or at least we can enjoy the episode. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know. I don't know yet if Dominic wants to review the New Year's special or not. But if I review it, I'm just going to be so truthful about it. <laughs> yeah, let's just be positive. You know, discovery that- changed its ways. So maybe, you know, th- there is hope. Let's just see what happens. And, um, deal with it as it comes i suppose you know it's something that i just wanted to mention very very quickly um don't worry i'm not being paid by britbox but um <laughs> anyone that's got time on the hands over um christmas if you get a britbox subscription i don't know if you can get it in america you might have to get a network a visual network protocol or whatever they are i don't know i'm not tech we have britbox streaming here yeah okay well if you get it you can watch all of the old doctor who's like every one that they've ever made that they've got available the ones that weren't rubbed right up until um the sylvester mccoy ones i don't think the new ones are included in it although they might be but that's one of the great selling points about Britbox is you can watch all the old shows and that's something that I'm going to be looking forward to doing is watching a lot of the Tom Baker ones and um, Colin Baker ones and, and Sylvester McCoy, I think, over Christmas. Well, my, my worst of the year is Doctor Who and it, with that, on that note, it's over to you, Max. I do have one that I was disappointed in. Uh, War of the Worlds, the new World World series. That was... Yeah, that, that was 2019, but I did. Oh, well, it was for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it, I think it was 2019 in England, but it came out in in 2020 in where you are. So okay, you know, like this time last year that in. So didn't did maybe like did not over Christmas New Year that or just before? It was shown just before Christmas last year. Right. Yeah, and it went on epics, and I just 
I got an Epic's, you know, uh, free month or, or not free month, but a reduced amount. And um, and I binged that. We binged that and Pennyworth because we never had watched all of season one of Pennyworth. So, yeah, maybe I, I'm not sure. I thought it came out this year because I think it was newer for for the, for Epic's. But maybe I'm wrong. But um, um, but it was new for us. And I was disappointed because I was just like, where are the giant tripods and stuff? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what, what makes this War of the Worlds? This is Alien Invasion story it's like it's got almost nothing related to it <laughs> yeah and it's, it's all again it deviates too much from the book uh by by making the uh making the strong female character the need and making the um the actual traditional needing character a bit of a bore yeah and you know i think it's ironic that the american woman like killed two of those robot dogs whereas like all these soldiers could not kill anything <laughs> So, uh, I thought that was funny, but, um, but yeah, it, it just deviated too much and it's, um, and there's something in there, there's some social commentary they're trying to say, and I think I know what they're trying to say, but it's kind of tough to know for sure until you see more like, cause it ends on a cliffhanger and I don't know, you know, I thought the first, so the first episode w- was very slow at first until the evasion began. And then I was like, you know, this is interesting. And then the second episode we got those, I think that's when they introduced, they either introduced second or third. They introduced the little, the, like the drone kind of four-legged, you know, robot things, and um, and I thought, oh, cool. So they're going to introduce something new every couple episodes. Great, you know. And then they didn't introduce anything else after that. And uh, and I don't know. The, some of the characters weren't very likable. It, the plot, the pacing was kind of slow. Uh, I didn't understand why like those drone robots are not. We we almost have that technology now, right? We have robots that are working on that just like that. You know, just a matter of arming them and uh, making them a little bit better. And boom, you got it. And I get, I know they're partly organic, but still, that's not very advanced technology. Which one of the characters says himself. Um, so I'm a little confused about what they're trying to do with the aliens in this. And I'm confused what makes it War of the Worlds. You know, it's so dramatically different. I, I reread War of the Worlds recently for my MFA program, uh, like a year ago or so for the, the sci-fi science fiction uh, genre study. And I was just disappointed. There was so little in common with it, you know, didn't have any of the mm, poison gas, the, the, the giant tripods, with their death rays, you know, you don't, you can use better names than that, but for now but uh um, you didn't have the mad pastor either the mad priest mm -hmm. yeah that's that was interesting you could do a whole episode on something like that and parson nathaniel i think he was called was you know yeah parson nathaniel yeah yeah, and uh, you know, there's just a lot of elements that they could have used or updated for War of the Worlds. And I know Mars is unlikely to have any only life like that. But you know, you can change the planet, that's cool. But uh, you know, it just was too dramatically different to be yeah, called dude, War of the Worlds. You are aware Elon Musk is from Mars. Ah, explain so much. <laughs> Elon Musk is time traveling from Mars. You know, that's why he's so desperate to get back out there. <laughs> No. Yeah, I never, I never saw the show because I heard bad things about it. And as you say, Marks, you know, there's so many things to watch now that I just thought oh, I'll get around to watching it. I never did, but like, you know, it's a shame that it turned out that way because like the Tom Cruise movie is not a bad movie. Right? It's not great by any stretch of the imagination, in my opinion. But that did a pretty good job of it. You know, that modernized a lot of the stuff and sort mm-hmm. of took key themes and told the story with those in mind. Whereas by the sounds of it this didn't do that um but yeah um we we've we've had the worst um with your worried worlds 
Ben, you chose um, da, 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 da. Brave New World. Uh, Brave New World. I chose Dot Two. So now on to the uh, the bit about things we're looking forward to. Um, over to you, Ben. I think I'm going to start with movies. You know, because I I, I mean, it's a few series that are starting, but mostly with series, it's stuff that's um, you know, it's stuff like Doom Patrol, stuff like Pennyworth, and all that, which I've covered, and it's more about looking forward to the new series that's coming of it. Whereas I think the big, big one to talk about is, is, is the movies, which um, I'm a big sort of cinema goer. I go on average, I was going, so they close like twice a week. You know, I won't always go if there's nothing I want to see. But yeah, I love going to the movies and um, I've missed it sort of massively in my life. You know, it's one of the big things that I enjoy doing. Um, and I think the, the big one that I'm looking forward to probably more than anything else, you know, which is a bold statement because there's some major, major movies that have been delayed, but um, the new James Bond film is the is the one that I'm I can't wait to sort of go and see Daniel Craig's last outing as James James Bond, and that will be um, especially because the vaccines here and all that, you know that that'll that'll be one where um, you know once everything starts opening back up, I, I can't wait to see it. Um, I think for some reason because it is his last outing. And I think he's had such a fantastic arc of James Bond, which no other actor has in the same sense. They've all had aspects of the characters they've explored. But Daniel Craig's, you know, it's almost a soft reboot of the franchise um, for me. Uh, I don't know about, um, I know Ian, you are. Are you a fan of, of, of the Bond franchise, Mark? Um, yeah, you know, somewhat. Yeah, I watch all the Bond movies. Um, they do blur together after a while, but the reboot, uh, I think, helped re-energize it. And mm. I'm curious to see what they do. I, I enjoyed the Brook Bond movies. You ever seen them? What movies? The Brook Bond movies. Is that, is that not the the, um, the the make of tea, Brook Bond? <laughs> yep. They, they, the advertising campaign for the Brook Bond tea bags back in the day, back in the 70s and 80s, yeah, um, it was all it was all chimpanzees, and and I think I think they did do do a do song like a James Bond parody with one of them. Yeah, I think another thing with the James Bond thing is yeah, there's the movie and everything like that, but you know the, the whole thing has always been pretty much that you know James Bond, oh my god, he's going to save the world and. In Daniel Craig's movies, he's not really done that apart from Inspector because it's more been rebuilding him. Whereas this one, it's definitely going to be Bond Saves the World. And with the year that we've had, if ever there was a time to sort of watch a movie about the world being saved, it's now. And I really do think with it'll just be a fantastic experience to go there. I think we've got the vaccine now. The world's getting back on track. And um, I'm really sort of massively excited. And, and I will splash out and go to the IMAX for that one, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go with my sister because um, um, since Daniel Craig took over as Bond, me and my sister have been going. You know, we go see all the action films together. Me and my sister. Um, we go see Mission, the new Mission Impossible films, the new James Bond films, yeah, or any yeah. other action film that comes out that we both fancy because we both love our action movies. Um, but my sister can't stand sci-fi. She can't stand fantasy and comic book movies. But the one thing we do have in common is action movies. <laughs> so, so we, we kind of enjoy those together. Good. Um, yeah. I mean, there's, there's a ton of other movies that I'm looking forward to, but I don't want to take all the spots. I feel a bit like I was um, privileged to go first with the series, and I was conscious of stepping on people's toes with what would be my favourite series. So um, I'm going to stick with Bond now, and then I don't know if you guys sort of w w want to come in and give one of yours so that I don't end up saying maybe another of the movies that one of you were, were planning on saying, you know? Mm. 
Okay, well, I'll, I'll go now. Um, I'm looking forward to uh, the Winter Soldier. The Is it Hartman Winter Soldier? Falcon. The, the oh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Falcon, Falcon, Falcon Winter Soldier, yeah. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. I've not seen the trailer for it yet, although I do know it's out there. Mm-hmm. I think it's uh, dropped today. Um, I think it dropped yesterday, actually. I've just not got around to it. Yeah, I saw it yesterday. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that um, because I, I love Sebastian Stan's take on the Winter Soldier. Um, you know, really good character and. Uh, I, I, I also, um, is it some, somebody Mackie that plays Falcon? Anthony Mackie. Anthony Mackie. I, I love what he did with Falcon. I, mean, I, I kind of love the, the way Falcon was introduced uh, in, in, the op- in the opening scene of uh, Captain America when, when, he, when he was running and, and um, he outruns Falcon sort of thing. And that. Yeah, I just saw like that those characters are just really good and um, I'm just really looking forward to it. And I'm kind of hoping it's sort of like a spy, a, a superhero sort of spy series where they go out on missions and do loads and loads of wild shit. I just can't wait to see it. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that one too, Ian, myself. Yeah. yeah, me too. So you pick one? Well, you know, you, you got one for you and one for Junie. Okay. So um, for new new stuff, I think um, I'm really curious about the Loki series. I think that's going to be a really interesting show. I mean, I think all the Marvel shows are going to be great because I, I love that they're going to blend together the, the TV universe with the cinematic universe more so. Um, I think that's the future for franchises, including Star Wars, where you can like, you're a diehard fan, you can watch TV shows and get more out of the, the universe. Um and if you're not a diehard fan, you just watch the movies. And, and uh, as long as they do those movies right, it's fine. You know, stuff happened in between. You'll, you'll be fine if you don't watch it <laughs> necessarily. Uh, and I, I think that's uh, going to be a great dynamic for Marvel and for, for Star Wars. Um, and I'm just, I've been very curious about Loki for a long time. And including, and the anime What If would be nice. Because I always love the What If comic book, comic books also. I, I'm, looking, I'm actually looking forward to that slightly more than I am the... Uh... The, the live action series for some reason I think it, I, I think it's just the animation style but it's also the fact that we get to see more Agent Carter mm-hmm. uh, I, I really felt bad for that series Agent Carter yeah, yeah. being, being cancelled so soon you know they, they could have gone so many places with that and uh, you know I think Haney Atwell's uh, just bringing as Agent Carter and uh, you know I just want I, I want that character to give on as much as possible so if, it was nice if, in the, um, it was nice in the last series of Agents of Shield that fair enough Hayley Atwell wasn't in it but you know they sort of gave her a bit of homage which I thought was really cool you know and it, and it was really good that they sort of said what a shame the series didn't go anywhere and um, you know I thought that was a really nice touch when um, I can't remember the character's name now yeah they, 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 they bought, they bought Agent D'Souza into it from from, a, from from Agent Carter mm-hmm. yeah that's it and um, it was a shame about that series but um, yeah I think all the Marvel stuff is going to be phenomenal and again I know I'm sort of like making the same point but you know the, the friend of mine I was talking to was talking about saturation point is somebody's going to make these stories eventually so it might as well be someone who does a good job of it that's my view yeah but yeah marvel's great dc of course has stumbled they got their own thing going on i don't know but uh they have a lot of really great things in pockets like doom patrol and other stuff they just can't quite get that shared universe to work i know um, like something that this is just reminding me something of um something that you were saying in a few a few weeks ago a month ago all these track of time with the buddy oh god i don't remember that far back <laughs> but um, anyway, you were sort of saying, and um, this is a point that I think I is a good time to raise. And um, you were talking about potentially June being the next big franchise, and um, with yourself, Marks, as well being so sort of like involved in the film industry, such a big fan of 
what are you guys making of this news about the decision to simultaneously stream things and have it at the cinema? Because I think that's a point we really should discuss, you know. I, I think it's a good thing so long as they start doing it in the UK as well. Because uh, with Wonder Woman, they're getting it in the US on HBO Max and they're going to get it in the cinemas at the same time. But over here, you you know, to see Wonder Woman, you've got to go to the cinema, mm. you know. Because yeah. the camera's not picking up, sort of thing. So and I think it's a good thing so long as, it, so long as they, you know, find, find a workable model for it to uh, to work in, in other territories other than the US. Yeah, I, I imagine after the pandemic, they'll do some kind of hybrid version of that instead of every movie being launched that way. It did it did motivate me to go ahead and get HBO Max knowing that Wonder Woman's coming out in, this, in Christmas time on HBO Max. I'm like, you know, that makes it worth it right there for me. And um, But I do think movies like Wonder Woman, Dune, Matrix 4, stuff like that, the big, big budget, you know, high action stuff, I think they they still have a future in theaters. I think that they work great on the big screen. It's the more quiet movies that um, uh, they're more dramas or romance or something that, you know, I think going straight to streaming might be the best option for that. So it, it'll be, it's going to be an interesting experiment. And based on how well it does, you know, we'll probably uh, change the approach by all the other streaming ones too. I mean, I think the other thing is, is um, many people now have good enough home entertainment systems where, where the virtual got a, um, a small scale cinema in the front room, mm-hmm. you know, with sound and stuff like that. So there's many people that probably just don't go to the cinema. I mean, I think you you know if you go into the cinema still, you're a re- you're a real movie aficionado. Because I only really go about two three times a year to the cinema. Yeah. Um, I'm not I'm not as frequent as Ben is. I only um, I've well, only go now if it's a Marvel movie or a Star Wars movie. Uh, it's pretty uh, uh, unlikely I'll go to anything else unless something else just you know something else comes along. It's so amazing. But uh, otherwise, I, I'm I'm good to wait a few months to watch it at home. Um, I think um, I think on a final note before we uh, finish up for the uh, evening um, I think there's one more honourable mention I think this honourable mention is something that we're, we're probably all looking forward to and the reason it's an honourable mention is because None of us could be bothered to actually mention it. Um, but Star Trek Strange New Worlds is probably coming out later next year, I think. I think we're going to start filming in the uh, in, in around about February. Mm-hmm. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what that, you know, what they do with that, you know, given that it's um it's ten years before Kirk sort of thing and you know, the the, the Enterprise under Pike and number one and Mr. Spock. And the adventures that they have, and quite quite looking forward to seeing that and seeing how that turns out, and um, and and seeing if they manage to actually stick to the canon this time. Yeah, that's the big big uh, challenge there is whether they can make that work. Um... I'm excited to see it because um, I love those characters were great in season two of Discovery. So I, I'm hopeful. I, I'm hoping, and this is something they want to do, but it's been held back because the pandemic messed up the production. But they want to have, <clears throat> when I say want, they, I mean CBS All Access, they want to have like one new Star Trek episode of something every week. So that way people will stick with the app. And uh, I think that would be, I would love to see that as long as they're good shows, obviously. Because um, I think uh, I would love to see Brave New World, you know, Picard, uh, Discovery. I, I enjoyed Lower Decks too. I enjoyed Lower Decks as well. You know, I had very, I had my issues with it starting, and I thought, oh, what's it going to be like? I wasn't mad on the animation style, but once you get over yourself and you watch the show for what it is on its own terms, it's a very well written show. It's a very smart show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually asked Ben to review Lower Decks because I couldn't be bothered. <laughs> 
know. It's fun. And they they, they do make a lot of Star Trek canon references. Uh, they know their stuff. I mean, was it ten series, ten episodes rather? First series. I yeah. can't remember. I think that it's ten right. episodes. But I've got them all. I've got them all. So it's ten, uh, ten episodes, and um, in this, in the run of ten episodes, there was maybe two that were weaker. But you know, you can't once you, if you're going to review something and you're going to watch it and you're going to think about it, you can't constantly say the show isn't this. You've got to watch something on its own terms and, and assess it for what it is, not what you want it to be. And once you start doing that with lower decks, you know, in a, in a 25 minute episode, it does a hell of a lot. And the writing's really, really up there for me. Yeah, there's some really great episodes in there. It's got some cool ideas. Um, NQ made an appearance, just saying. <laughs> And Rankin and Troy did as well in the last episode, oh, I think. that's right, um, yeah. It feels like the big important thing about um, Lower Decks is it's not laughing at the fans, it asks you to laugh with it. And that's really important, especially for sort of Star Trek, older Star Trek fans, I feel. It really respects the canon. It doesn't sort of take it and condescend it. Yeah, but it's probably still you're probably still going to find quite a lot of old Star Trek films fans saying, it's not Star Trek. Star Trek isn't a comedy. It's not a comedy, man. I'm not going to watch this show. It's not a comedy. I do want to watch it. It's, Star Trek is not funny. Okay, it's serious. Yeah. It's serious, man. Just leave him to it. No, because haters going to hate, eh? <laughs> yeah i think it's nice uh, you know it mixes up the tone a little bit and it's a nice little break from the heavier stuff i'm not ashamed to say i'm looking forward to the second series of it you know yeah i'm looking forward to it too um i think they got a chance here their star trek to really have because honestly to be honest cbs all access for me it's really star trek when they don't have star trek i don't need the app you know and i think i told them that when i canceled it one time i just said have more Star Trek and I'll be there. Otherwise, I don't care. <laughs> I mean, because they've got like other shows coming up. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they're going to get more good stuff, and especially now with Par- I guess it's going to become Paramount Plus. Um, but yeah, but yeah. like the Twilight Zone, you know, gosh, I want to like that show, uh, the new Twilight Zone. But it just, it's just, there's always something. That makes me go, ugh. Each episode, there's just something they mess up really bad that, that just doesn't feel like, you know, like a strong anthology episode or something. And it's, yeah, it's, it's really Star Trek is all it's been keeping me on CBS Access so far. I think the thing is, because because Star Trek's going to various places, Strange New World, Section 31, all that stuff, there wasn't really room for anything else. So, you know, I think um, Strange New Worlds, sorry, Lower Decks has filled the gap, you know. It fits in nicely because... It doesn't have to worry about where it's going to fit into the rest of the story. It just happens alongside everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the thing is, Star Trek is such a rich and vast universe that there's so much for them to explore, irrespective of what decade it's in. I mean, I'd love to see an anthology series um, about the Andorian Syndicate, and they could call it Stories from the Andorian Syndicate. I think that'd be really interesting. <laughs> You know, exploring the Star Trek underworld. <laughs> yeah, well, they do a little bit, right? With the Star Trek shorts, they do explore a lot of different yeah. kinds of stories in that. I mean, you might get um, you might get some of that stuff in Strange New Worlds, and you never know. And um, I think what's been what's good about Strange New Worlds already, even though Dean's you know really great article sort of like highlighted a few concerns, the premise of the show's been set up really well by the way that Discovery season two ended. You know, that is that the segue into that series by isolating the crew of Discovery, putting them in the future, and then making Spock, Kirk, and number Spock, one. Pike, Pike and number one, deny our knowledge. Yeah, uh, Spock, Pike, and number one, not Kirk, yeah, sorry. Yeah, um, yeah you know what I mean? They've, they've, they've set that up really, really well. And I just hope it goes with a more traditional sort of problem of the week, sort of, I don't want to say lighthearted, but, you know, I, I don't think we need any more 
extreme drama like Discovery for the time being with Star Trek. I think we just need to see some traditional fun. I mean, you know, I'm I'm fine with it being, you know, episode episode and bad guy of the week sort of thing, but I think, you know, they they're probably cutting the noses off the spider face in a way. Because, you know, they could do something like a compromise between a story arc and and and, uh, and and an episode of the week. You know, like Enterprise did with the final season, where yeah. they like they, they had a couple of two parters and a couple of three parters and and I mean, they Discovery's had... starting to do that, I think, a bit. Discovery's this season has got a good balance of arc and there has been more of a problem with the week sort of feel to some of them and they are starting to realise that, you know, I don't think the Star Trek fan community will ever hold it by in if it's if there's never some sort of like problem solution in an episode. Mm, that's probably a good note to wrap up on, but I think the I think general consensus is we're all looking forward to next year's stuff. Um especially Strange New Worlds and um and 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 James Bond and um Falcon and Winter Soldier um yeah, are all yeah. things we're looking forward to. So um, you know yep. you, you listeners can look forward to getting regular um reviews as well from films, you know, because as I say I do I do normally go to cinema once or twice a week, and if it's anything sci-fi related, even if I don't particularly fancy it, I'll normally go. So I'm looking forward to getting, you know, more film reviews written because I've sort of missed doing those. You know, I've been concentrating more on the series because there's not been any movies out. So yeah, you know, I will be back as sort of regular sort of film reviewing next year, hopefully. Yeah. yeah and on that final note, uh, we'd like to wish you all uh, a happy new year um, because we're actually... Merry Christmas and all that stuff. Yep, don't get too drunk. Instead, get completely nethered. Merry Christmas, live long and prosper. (laughs) Yes, live long and prosper. Don't die coronavirus. (laughs) See ya, bye. See you guys.